Well, we've been in a bit of a series and uh, uh, we've had a couple of different preachers too that have sort of maybe uh, relieved a little bit of the pressure on that. But you will remember I was speaking about the Beatitudes and we were looking at Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 and 6. We want to move on to chapter 6 and 7. But these three chapters that uh, will probably take us well into next year. I've only got a couple of weeks before we begin to talk Christmas story stuff. Uh, which I'm really, I'm always excited about the Christmas story things that we talk about. But just before we get there, we've got a couple of weeks to actually start to look at the Sermon on the Mount, which is a collection of Jesus's teachings. And it's interesting, as I've been sort of preparing for this series, um, it's not as easy as just looking at a chapter. It is so chock-a-block full of powerful teaching by Christ that you can barely read a couple of lines before you go, ah, uh, that's a message. And then you read a couple more lines and you go, oh, that's a message. How long is it going to take us to get through this? So I've, I've, had to, I've had to try and broaden things and just sort of, we're just touching on stuff today, okay? So, okay, that's what we're going to try and do, but it's so powerful. Uh, it's so powerful. I love it when we listen to Jesus. It's so transformational. And of course, when we looked at the Beatitudes, we were looking at hard attitudes that make everything else he was about to teach actually run. You know what I mean? If, if, um, if, uh, if what Jesus asks us to be and do as humans in the world, if that is the hardware, the Beatitudes is like the software. That just makes it function, if you know what I mean. The, the spirit that we're to have. And I don't know about you, but was anyone else really challenged through that? Yeah. I'm really hoping you were. I start to feel like I'm the only sinner in the place when people just smile back at me like, oh, yeah, it was great. Um, but honestly, being a peacemaker, that's not that easy out there. That's, that's not such a thing, uh, such an easy thing. But you'll be, you'll be called a child of God if you can do it. You'll have your father's eyes, that's for sure, if you can do it, because that's by nature God. Uh, and so we've, we've looked at the Beatitudes, and we're going to move now into the awesome on the mount. Um, anyone else here really, really thankful for how personal God can be in your life? That you've got a personal relationship. That we don't just serve the God of the big black book, leather-bound book, the God of the book kind of thing. But that Jesus came, incarnate the Word of God, and by His Spirit dwells in our hearts through faith. God is near and dear and intimate and personal, and that's awesome. Don't you think? Come on, you've got to agree with me today. We could be here a long time because I'm going to preach until you agree. And it's meant to be. The relationship we have with God is meant to be personal and intimate. But there's another big question that, that I think the teachings of Christ ask us. As much as it's personal and intimate, is it meant to be private? Because we can sometimes confuse personal and intimate with private. As a matter of fact, there used to be an old saying in our society, it doesn't need to be said that much, so, so much more, uh, you know, recently. I think because our society has worked so hard, particularly through media, to marginalise any conversation about the church full stop. 
I mean, we're having the conversations. People are gathering. Young people are being set on fire for God and pursuing destiny. But if you listen to the media, you wouldn't hear that. Okay. So, uh, but there was an old saying, and that was um, religion and politics. Very private thing. Hold them close to your chest. Well, I wonder what Jesus has got to say about that. You know, personal, yes. Intimate, yes. Private, maybe not so much. Maybe not so much. And so uh, I think it's interesting that we have been, I think, really encouraged, browbeaten and manipulated by our society in some ways. And by society, I mean, in general, again, the, the, uh, the narrative that's woven predictably by media. To shut up, sit down and get in your box, Christian. You have nothing to say. By the mistakes of others, you're all disqualified. And so you feel muzzled and at times pressed down. And it's interesting because in our society, identity is such a big thing. People are identifying with all kinds of things. And as much as I can say, you know what, I really feel for people who are struggling with finding their tribe and finding inclusion, and there's some genuine cases of that. Some of it's just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous, and is only adding to the confusion in people's hearts. But in the midst of a society that is all banging on about identity, isn't it amazing that the one thing you're really not allowed to identify with is Christ. It would be the most unpopular of all the ridiculousness, the most unpopular that would create the most negative attention would not be the we all need to smoke pot party and I identify with that, but possibly could be identifying as a Christian, someone who's of Christ, his nature, his spirit, in this world, which is really interesting. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16, the, the beginning of his teachings after the Beatitudes, your lives are like salt among the people. But if you like salt become bland, how can your saltiness be restored? Salt's sort of a base element. I mean, once it loses its very nature, it's, it's done. You can't re-salt salt because salt by its nature is salty. Flavourless salt is good for nothing and will be thrown out and trampled on by others. Your lives light up the world. For how can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop? I mean, how could you hide Toowoomba? I, I love returning to Toowoomba at night because you can see it right from way down in the valley. And I'm always, whenever I come home at night, I'm always looking for those first twinkling lights somewhere down in the Lockyer Valley and you can actually spot the city you live miles and miles and miles and miles away. And who would light a lamp and then hide it in an obscure place? Instead, it's placed where everyone in the house can benefit from its light. So don't hide your light. 
Let it shine brightly before others so that your commendable works will shine as light upon them and then they will give their praise to your Father in heaven. I want to talk about shining your light and shaking your shaker. Or shaking your shaker and shining your light. I know I'll explain shaking your shaker later, those who are snickering. This is Jesus on the kingdom. And he paints these pictures. It's really simple metaphor, but metaphor is so powerful. You know, truth is so powerful in stories. It's truth is that it's most powerful in stories. And it's incredibly ironic. And scripture uses this all the time. Something does not even have to have happened for its truth to be startling. The prodigal son. Don't go to Israel on a tour and ask where the farm is that the prodigal son come from. You're not going to find it. It was a story. But I tell you what, Jesus could have said, God loves you. Well, that was the point of the story. But there's something about listening to a story about a father who's probably devastatingly heartbroken because a child leaves home doesn't appreciate what they've got, messes their life up terribly, really deserves punishment and probably to never come back home again and a father whose heart breaks at the gate and he runs and throws his arms around him and restores them fully. There's something about a story like that that tells us more about God than God loves you. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing. He's trying to say more than go out and be a witness. Tell someone about me. He's trying to say more. It's like your whole life, do you realise, like a city on a hill, your whole life, if you will let it shine, if you won't stick it somewhere obscure, your whole life can be seen for miles. Your whole life could so light up a room so that not only are you filled with joy and you're reaping the benefits of this intimate personal relationship with God, but that the whole room is lit and everyone who walks in goes, I really appreciate the light. We, we come in here all the time during the week and I tell you, uh, when you walk in from that bright foyer into here with the lights off, it's a dark place. Now, once you've been in here 10 minutes, you can sort of see because there's light coming under doors and that. But when you first walk in, it is just so dark. And so many times I've stumbled up here just going, all I need is a, is a music stand or something for something. Stumbled around in the dark and I'm halfway up here and someone turns the lights on and it's like, oh, that's a revelation. <laughs> I'm, I'm, still, I'm still stuck in my father's mould of, turn that light out! Even though these are LEDs and they don't actually cost a lot to run, it's like, just put the light switch on, Pastor Chris. I'm like, why would I turn all those lights on to find something on the platform? Probably uses half of what one light bulb does in your bathroom at home. But anyway. And Jesus is saying, like, come on, I'm telling you a story. I'm painting a picture and and salt. How awesome salt. I know it's not good for your veins. Found that out the hard way. But how good is it? I still love salt. I just drink lots of water now whenever I have it. I love salt. I love salt. I cook with salt. I put salt on. I love salt. It's not good for you, but isn't it awesome? Isn't it awesome? It's awesome, Tim. I'm talking to a convert and Tim, I can tell. 
And so Jesus is using these analogies because it's so powerful. So let's talk about shaking your shaker. We're going to talk about the salt. And I'm saying we're talking about the salt just in case Jason Job was here, but I see he's not this morning. So I'm just going to pay out on him instead. I didn't want him busting any moves up the back, showing us how he shook his shaker. Your lives are like salt, listen to it, among the people. And of course, salt flavours, that's why I like salt. Salt's a seasoning that makes things tastier. In that sense, Jesus is saying our lives should enhance humanity. Our lives poured out among the people should actually enhance other people's lives. It preserves. In other words, it stops things from going off. I really wonder what the world would be like. I mean, I know that we think sometimes the world can be a dark place. And, and I know Western civilization, the whole foundations of it are being shaken at the moment and we owe it to Christianity. But I wonder just how dark it would be if every church just closed its door in an instant. There's a reason why the government haven't done it, you know. Even though it's, for, for many of them, it's totally against their ideology to have an organisation like this in the world. They can't do it with schools because we educate so many kids. And if they just shut the doors on every church, the amount of hospitals, clinics, free services, charities that would fall over, the place would be a mess. So that salt is happening. We don't always see it, but it is happening everywhere. Where to preserve it promotes healing. Who's, who still bathes a wound in salt water? It's still great, isn't it, Carolyn? It really works. I was at my brother's the other couple of weeks ago in the workshop in Thongs. Bad move. Hey, Tim. Yeah, Tim just looked away like I can't even look at him right now. I was just there just to grab a part and leave and I walked and I, and I shifted a gantry. I shifted it, big metal feet on it, big metal wheels. I shifted it out of the way. I went in, I got my part and I turned around to go back to my car and I kicked the bottom of the wheel, you know, in my less than adequate safety boots and my, you know, when big toenails bend right up, you know? <sighs> yeah, I know, it's hideous. I could show you a photo, but I'm not going to. But it was standing up maybe, you know, I don't know, an eighth of an inch higher than it should have been and uh, was bleeding from the quick, basically, all the way forward. And uh, my brother saw it. I, I mean, I'm, he came up to see, you know, what I was doing. And I'm just talking to him. I didn't mention it. I wasn't going to mention it. But as we're talking, he looks down and he's like... <laughs> said, yeah, I'm going to take that home and stick it in salt water. Which is exactly what I did. You know, the thing is, healed brilliantly. I didn't even lose my toenail. Good old salt, Carolyn. Good old salt. Salt is a healing agent. It mixes with and changes the environment it's, it, it's put in. That's the point of salt. But it's also important to remember that you've got to be balanced with salt, haven't you? Have you, have you ever noticed, like, have you ever cooked a meal and you've gone, ah, oh, gee, I wish I'd put a little bit more salt in that? I've done this with pasta so many times. We should put a little bit more salt in that. And then the next time you think, I'm going to make sure I put enough salt in that. And then you put too much salt in that. And then you're thinking, oh man, it would have been better bland than with too much salt in it. 
It is a bit of a balance, isn't it? And I think we've got to be the same with our lives and our Christianity. Some people, they burn their bridges and any opportunity that they have to bring influence to those around them because they're, they're just too heavy with the salt shaker. Remember a few years ago, there was the guy on the internet, forget what the connection was, but he was a chef, and he became famous just for the way he put salt in the meal. Remember that? Some of you would have seen that. There was video of me. He'd get a pinch of salt and he'd do that. <laughs> you know, and get the salt right, apparently. But I think we've got to be a bit that way. So it's one thing, like, in a crowd like this, for us, so many different personality types on every point of the spectrum. The problem could be that you only rev up those who are already revved up. And they go too far trying to get people that maybe aren't shaking their shoulder taker to start shaking a bit. Somehow there's got to be a balance in it where we just realise, you know, Jesus could use my life. He said, you are salt among the people. He could use my life if I was just prepared to shake my life a little bit, which is another whole message. It's amazing how salt comes out under duress. Bit of a shaking. What should come out of the shaker? Not pepper, salt. And then Jesus says this, if, if this salt loses its flavour, it's good for nothing but to be trampled underfoot. And I'm like, man, if you're a Bible literalist, that's terrible. Yeah. By literal, I mean just reading it on one dimensional. I think we should buy, read the Bible literally, Right? literally the way it was written that's a good definite definition of literalist but if you're the literalist it's like wow what's this saying it's saying that god's done with you and he's going to kick you out he's going to trample you down and then he's going to get people to trample you down too because you're good for nothing and of course what jesus is using is hyperbole and he's actually contrasting here. It's like, do you, know, do you realise what your lives are like? They are like salt. And salt for us, we just take it as a given. In the ancient world, it was a precious spice because of the value that it had and what it could do. People knew salt was really valuable. How disappointing to spend a lot of money on something that back then was very, very expensive only to find out it was bland. It wasn't what it promised. And this is what Jesus is. This is the hyperbole he's using. Man, you know, you know how disappointing it is when something that should be tasty and add flavour, potentially heal your broken toenail, when it actually doesn't have the qualities that it promises. Man, we all know just how ripped off we feel <laughs> about that. So the point Jesus is making is bland salt is not bland is not salt at all. It may look like it, it may be passed off as it, but it doesn't act like it. In other words, it doesn't work in the environment that it's placed in, whether that's food or whether that's in humanity. Therefore, it's only frustrating to the person wanting to use it. So when it's good for nothing, Certainly not the intended use. It's trampled by the spectators. Despised, recognised as useless, powerless, problematic. Not only by the cook, but by the intended patrons. Come on, who's ever been to a restaurant and maybe had a meal that 
was less than what you expected. Yeah. It was actually a bit bland. It was a bit like, man, uh, you know, they, they haven't done this right. Who's ever rescued a meal with salt? Yeah. So this is so bad, I normally wouldn't put salt on this. I normally wouldn't salt my bacon. That's when you know you've got bad bacon, okay. <laughs> I normally wouldn't salt my bacon, but this bacon needs salt. No, no, no bacon needs salt, okay, but... And that's the contrast that Jesus is making, that it's frustrating probably for the master and it's certainly frustrating for those who are meant to reap the benefits of the salt. And I think, how strong is this when you think about it that way? That's what Jesus, that's how strong Jesus is on it. Wow. But I think it's me. At times it's me. I know I'm the only one here. Please, Adam, give me a nod. Thanks, mate. Brothers in sin. Okay. <laughs> oh, no, let's not. Okay. But we all do it. We're all less than what we need to be in the moment at times. And it can be so, so frustrating. And yet Jesus, I think, he hasn't given us an impossible task. Come on, church, he hasn't given us an impossible task. Let's move on. Let's get real quick to shining the light. Your lives light up the world. I used an analogy. Well, Jesus used an analogy of a city on a hill. And then he again contrasts it. So I've talked about the city on the hill. You can't hide it. But then he contrasts it with making it obscure. You know, no one lights a light then puts it in an obscure place. And again, it's this hyperbole. This is ridiculous, what Jesus is proposing, proposing that you light a lamp, particularly in, in those ancient times where the lamp was the only light. Come on, they didn't have light switches. So you lit a lamp. Why would you light that lamp and then take it into an inner bedroom, which was probably just the next room, and put it under the bed and put a rug over it? It's just like, that is insane. But that is the picture. That's the story Jesus is telling. Come on, no one would do that. And obviously the implication is, why would you? It is interesting how hard light is to hide. Just ask the military. It is so hard to hide light. That's why they have little red torches, because the, the beams aren't as obvious and they don't travel as far, can't be seen from a distance. Light is so hard to hide. You'd almost have to be intentional about it. It's so hard to hide that it's, it's sort of either got to be extinguished or removed from its place. Or, and of course, when it's absent, there's only darkness. I tell you, I told a story before about walking in here, bumbling around, you know, with the light from under the cracks of the door and nothing else. Then the lights come on and it's brilliant. But I tell you what, if you're halfway across the floor back and someone turns them off again, it has never been darker than that. I mean, you can hold your hand up in front of your face and you can't see a thing for the first few moments. It is just pitch in here. And that's sort of what Jesus is saying. Don't let that happen. Don't let darkness rule. See, Satan doesn't have to stop the light, just misdirect it, misplace it. Make sure it stays somewhere it's not needed, like amongst all the other lights. 
Wouldn't it be crazy if all the lights were clustered together while the world sat in darkness? How crazy would that be? And that's really the hyperbole Jesus is using. Like, this is just insanity. Think about him. We're, we're approaching Christmas time and we go to one of the ancient prophets pro- prophesying the birth of Christ and said, those who sat in darkness saw a great light. God turned the lights on when Jesus came. That's a comparison. It's such a contrast to Jesus to hide our lights. And yet I have seen, and I know it's well-meaning, churches and Christians trying to get rid of darkness. And it seems such a just and righteous cause We are fighting the darkness. (laughs) There's only one way you can fight darkness. You can't contain darkness. You can't push it back. I mean, they've tried. That's what the church has done, typically, is tried to build walls around. But the darkness always seeps in, (laughs) doesn't it? The only thing you can do with darkness is turn on a light. That's it. The only thing that deals with darkness is light. It's not being, you know, darkness back, fighting with the world's rules. It's not that. You just have to turn on the light. And I think that's what Jesus is saying. Come on, come on, come on. You're a city on a hill. You can't be hid. If you let your light shine, it can't help but push back the darkness. Wow, what a promise. If you actually get yourself out of the salt shaker and the comfort zone... (laughs) And, and let me apply you among the people where you're meant to be, then your life somehow will miraculously bring healing and bring preservation from worse things and actually season and flavour people's lives in a way where their humanity is maximised rather than minimise. Whenever we fight, try and fight the darkness, we end up minimising people. Have you noticed that? Our world's so good with cancel culture, blah, blah, blah. They only learn it from the church. (laughs) Whoa, it's very quiet in here. Same as the new atheists. They only got their hermeneutic from the church. When they read the Bible the way we've been reading it for maybe the last 50 years, I can understand why they don't believe it. turn on the light what's the answer to all these complexities Chris turn on light shake your shaker (laughs) get yourself out there a bit you know from the the person who serves your petrol to the girl who does the groceries at Woolies which is really sad how they've even minimised that now isn't it like if you don't go through the checkouts you don't even have to talk to a human being It's, it's in the way that we resolve conflict and that is not an easy one. Man, I, I, I was all set to preach this. I prepared this message a week ago. I was just, I'm always very proud of myself when I'm a week ahead, you know. And, uh, and then just yesterday afternoon, I got the chance to live this sermon in a really difficult circumstance with a difficult conversation with a person about a dog, Literally. What can we do to manage this dog's barking, which turned into an assault on my character? 
It's like, it is not easy to be a peacemaker in this world. Hey, I just want to be able to eat my dinner in peace, man. I'm not looking for a fight. But actually, when people are hurting, that's often what you'll get. So I'm not saying any of this is easy, but we've somehow got to live it. Somehow, Jesus, give us the grace. Jesus, help us see. Come on, is that your heart's cry? I hope that's what's rising in you, like where you are in your workplace, where you are in your school, where you are in your business, where you are with your family, how you're positioned in your neighbourhood, with wherever it is. Oh, Lord, give us the grace. Let, let your spirit somehow ooze out of us beyond what it is to have this wonderful intimate relationship which gives me identity and reassures me of my value and gives me a place to bring, come and bring and lay my burdens down. I love the intimacy that we have with God. There has to be a cry in our heart that this is not a private thing. That, that I've got a light to shine. I've got salt to give. You know, I, I, I love what um, Levi said around the Love My City Day. At the end of the day, it, that's just a really practical expression to a school community that's under-resourced with a really difficult workload. You know, for a local church just to turn up and just do a garden for them or whatever we're doing this time, it's just a massive blessing. And people have got to ask the question, why would you do that? And the answer is, you know, if we weren't Christians, we wouldn't. Most likely. Simple, simple things. Shining our light. Christmas production that's coming up. Christmas tree lighting. They're just simple ways to reach out. Just simple ways to reach out. And sometimes people, as we've had each year, sometimes people come along and they think they're coming to a Christmas tree lighting, but they actually meet a wholesome community that they want to be part of. And then that experience that we see, I love it in the Bible. I think it's one of the most powerful conversions we see in the Bible. The story of Ruth and Naomi. Where Ruth eventually says to Naomi, your people shall be my people. Your God shall be my God. Here's the point. <laughs> it was people first. She was converted to the people before she was converted to the God. And often in our Christianity, we've placed the conversion to God first. And Jesus says, hey, you're salt among the people. You're a light that shines and can't be hidden. Wow, what a mandate we have. How cool is that? Can we just ask yourself a couple of questions as we close then? And, and these are really designed for us to think about. I try and make all of my questions thoughtful because it's how we apply what we've just learned. And the first one is, in what ways may I have unwittingly made my personal relationship private? My personal relationship with Jesus, private. And I do think often it's unwitting. I think often we don't realise some of the pressure you know, you can be out there as a young Christian sometimes, really quite out there. But after a few pushbacks, it's a little bit like, I think I'll just fly under the radar for a bit. And we've got to break that. That, that just ain't the Christianity Jesus was talking about. 
He's like, man, do you realise the effect you have on environments when you actually let yourself get out there, out of the salt shaker and into the world? Do you realise the effect that you have when you light your light? What about intentionally? Like sometimes we do it unintentionally. What about intentionally? Where it's just like, man, I'm just going to batten down the hatches and I'm, I'm not going there. This is about me and God. Me and God, this is a private thing. It's like, no, Jesus just doesn't let it be, friend. Another question is, what practical things can I do to break out of a privacy cocoon (laughs) with my faith? Because if we are in that, we are in a cocoon of our own making. And I know, as I said, our world can be intimidating and intentionally so. But we're the only ones really who give people permission to tie our hands. And to gag us. We're, we're the only ones who give permission for that. So is there anywhere that I could break out of that? Any way, in a practical way? Another practical question is in, in, in what ways can I flavour my world this week? You know, where, where can I be preservative? Where can I be joy? Where can I be resilience? Where can I be peace? Where can I be the bridge builder in my world? And similarly, where, where could I light my world this week? Let's think, not in generalism, let's think of something really specific. Could we just do that for a moment as we close this message? Just something really specific. You know, and some of us might have jobs where, where, you know, that's part of the job. That's part of my job description, literally. Man, if the pastor can't shine the light a bit, there's a real problem. So I have to think outside. Where can I, as Christopher Christian, do this? Not because I'm a quote-unquote professional. Where do I just do this as Christopher Christian? And as I gave a recent example, it's not that easy sometimes. People don't make it easy on you. But where could we do that? Can you just think of somewhere that you might not normally do it, where you think this week, I'm just determined to shine a light right in there. And, uh, And we're not talking about beating people over the head with the Bible. We're talking about using our salt <laughs> the way it should be applied. I don't know what that means, but anyway, it looks pretty groovy on the video. Why don't we stand together? Why don't we stand? Come on, if you're game enough, pray this prayer with me. <laughs> Heavenly Father, would you, could we just pray this? If you're comfortable, pray this with me out loud. Heavenly Father, give me opportunity this week to shine my light and shake some salt where I think it's needed. Amen. That's a scary prayer. Scary prayer. It's one other prayer I'm going to Give people the opportunity to pray in this place. You know, Jesus is transformational. He changes your life from the inside out. Transformational. You'll never be the same if you open your heart to Jesus. Maybe you've never done that. Maybe you've never stopped to really take stock of your life and go, you know what, I need a change of direction. If you're in this place, maybe you've been tracking along with Christian friends or family for a while but you've never come to that point 
I'm saying, you know what, I think I need to choose which way I'm going here, which path I'm taking. And I'd urge you this morning, friend, Jesus is transformational. It might not always be comfortable. I've never regretted it in 37 years. I've never regretted my decision to follow Christ. And I want to give you that opportunity today. So if you're here in the room or online, I'm going to ask everyone to bow their heads. And hey, if you've, you've never reached out to God before like this, I want to give you the opportunity to. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just going to, again, pray in a general sense. But this is your opportunity to respond in some sort of tangible way. I'm just going to ask you, simply raise your hand up and say, that's where I'm at. I'll acknowledge it and you can put it down. Yep, I see your hand, mate. You can, you can put your hand down. Anyone else in this place? Come on, some more people. God bless, God bless you, mate. Yep, you put your hand down. That's fantastic. Anyone else in this place? You're just like, right, I'm, I'm ready for Jesus at this moment. It's a, it's a point of surrender. It's a point of being open. Open to Christ in your life. I'll just give this one more moment. This is such an important moment for people. Such a critical moment for people. Yeah, God bless you. I see your hand up there. God bless you. That is wonderful. Father, as your church, we pray for people who are just opening their hearts to Christ right now. We thank you for them. We pray that you'd bless them. We pray that you would meet them right where they're at as they've taken the courage to acknowledge you, that you'd meet them right where they're at. Your work would begin or continue in their life powerfully and they would know what it is to be salt and light among the people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Pastor Levi.